Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got Katie Flower, official show of uthdynasty.com. And we are one week away. And we're recording early this week. Katie is on the move, moving and shaking, of course. And we've got one week to go uh, before mini and mainstream fantasy titles are going to be their their journey begins in the fantasy playoffs, a three week sprint head to head journey in many of these cases. And we're going to be discussing about some look back at the 2021 season, some of the lessons we learned, as well as what changes, what doesn't change maybe in some of these must win scenarios. And frankly, unless you have a bye week coming up, everything's a must win. Uh, you know, from this point forward, it's kind of win or go home. You could be fighting for seating and fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, if you've got everything locked up, maybe it's a couple weeks before you actually have a game that matters for you if you're oh so lucky. Um, but we're in the home stretch, Katie, and it seems like it's been a long journey, but it also seems like we got here on an express train because now it's every week you're going to have a different dynamic with some of your teams that are either, well, now I'm doing waivers with only looking at 2022 and some of my teams, I'm still looking firmly as what can help myself the most next week. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely, it felt like a rocket ship fast as heck, even though it was a longer season than normal because of the extra NFL week. Um, but with, COVID and everything else going on, it has had its share of battles, you know, just trying to patch together between last minute out players and bye weeks and everything else. Oh, it's, it has been a taxing season for sure. Yeah. The one thing that I've been more attuned to this year is the when you have a four o'clock player or a Sunday night or a Monday night player and just saying, I need to make the best. And we talk about this all the time about making a safe decision, not necessarily the one that could in a best case, optimal shoot the needle scenario, the most points. Because what I've noticed is there's a that if you think you're in a tough spot or you're like, yeah, I got a decent starter, but this could be a great starter. It's a game time decision. We went through this with like three weeks of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, and we're hoping to get news at noon on a Sunday. And playing it safe, I'll tell you, you know, in terms of lineups, in terms of player statuses of just being active for the game, that I look around and it's amazing the number of times you see a lineup that has a player that ended up not playing in it. And it's not, it, this isn't about tanking, this isn't about ignoring your team. It's about, not knowing, and then you don't have pivots when you get there. I would say, Katie, we text back and forth every week about at least one scenario. And it's not that we have 10 teams together, at least one scenario where we talk through, okay, if we hold out for this player, here's what options we have or don't have by making that decision. 
And I can't quantify this, but it does feel like there's a tangible effect in results. It might be a one game difference, but frankly, in 13, 14 game regular season, one game is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And I err on the side of caution when it comes to setting lineups in the regular season. If there's two players that I deem fairly equal and one plays on Monday night, the other one plays on Sunday at one o'clock, I'll take the guy at Sunday at one o'clock because I'd rather bank the points, especially if they're fairly equal, you know, projections and fairly equal matchups and everything else. I'd rather, even if the other guy has a bigger ceiling, I'd rather bank the safer points because what if somebody gets all of a sudden COVID inactive on a Monday night and then you've got no pivot. So it's, it's been a tough season, not only with the bye weeks and the extended bye weeks because the season has extended, but then the, the whole COVID mix or just injury, injury mix has made an impact on it too. Yeah, this has really been, for, for someone like myself that tracks this stuff, the running back injuries when you tally up games has been brutal this year. And that just means you've got to go to next man up and you've got to be prepared to go low. We talk about things like insulating yourself, uh, having different pivots, almost having two different lineups in terms of depth on your team. And just having those viable options has been a big deal. And I can't, I can't overstate that enough. And so I just, I feel like it's something that we should put these in and make sure that we mention it during the off season because that's what you're building towards. If you're out of the race in two weeks or three weeks or in January, that your next important game is next September, and it's an eight month journey, just like a college coach putting together a team through recruiting. And, and building up what they have, the transfer portal, whatever. And then the NFL teams, drafting, free agency, everything. But what is the goal? The goal is getting to week one next year and fielding the best team you can to compete, contend, and ultimately win next year and beyond. But it's really an eight-month journey to re-sculpt your team. It may not be graphic changes. You may not trade away half your team. You may not have six first-round picks next year that you bring into your your team and are going to make an instant impact. It doesn't mean it has to be graphic like that, but you do have to think about your rosters in that fashion. And I think it's important to keep that mindset. I know sometimes we get... We'll, we'll go two months at a time and we'll talk about rookies and combines and like all, all-star games and all this kind of stuff. And it's all important. But just keep that focus of of week one next year as the arrival date for the new iteration of your team. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about must-win games. So, so Katie, get someone, uh, you, you're getting someone's ear that is, hey, Katie, if I lose next week, I could be out. Uh, this is a big week for me. I am fighting for the, my playoff lives. If I lose, maybe I'm still in, but I need some help. But if I win, I'm in. Or this could be, hey, I'm fighting for a, I'm fighting for a, a, a bye week. This is a big deal. And this game can easily determine my season. So Katie, what should I do with my lineups? We're on the precipice of setting waivers and doing lineups. Potentially, this is, this is again, must win. This is the most important game. And you know what? If it goes well, the next week will be the net most important game after that. So do you have any tips for that person? As I'm sure we'll get questions about it. I'm sure we'll be in that situation ourselves with some of our teams this week. 
Well, it it's kind of like last week or or really any week as you're getting closer to the playoffs. Any waiver dollars that you have left over, if there is a player that could impact one week this week, like last week for me, it was Gardner Minshew. I only had 27 waiver dollars left, and I believe that I used 90% of it on Gardner Minshew, and I started him. I was not afraid. If you're going to do that, you've got to start him. It, it, otherwise, there's no point in spending the money. But being bold, going out, finding a guy on the waiver wire, and starting them recklessly or whatever you want to call it, but back against the wall, sometimes you got to make that start of a guy. you got to go with your gut that, hey, this guy has a pretty good matchup. I've seen what he's done in the past. This may be the one only start he's had all year long, but i got to start the guy. Whether it's Gardner Minshew or whoever, whoever it is, a wide receiver, um, you got guys that are banged up and, and you have a certain player that's been on your bench the whole time. You got to go with your gut and stick with your gut and play that. Another thing that I do at this time of year, it just I do it all year long, but especially this time of year, make sure that you don't burn your flex spot early in the early in the week. Leave yourself that out. So even if you plan on playing C.D. Lamb and he's starting on a Monday night game, don't use him in in a wide receiver spot. Use him in a flex spot because he's your last spot. He's somebody that you could potentially switch out if you had to for whatever reason. And it prevents you taking a zero, right? I mean, you might get into a position where all you can pivot to is a tight end or picking up a different position. Yeah. And and one thing I have noticed is FFPC. I don't know if it's always been this way, but I'm just noticing when I'm, you know, adjusting a lineup beyond Thursday or something like that, that even a player that has already played, you do, they do give you that flexibility to swap wherever they're eligible to play in your lineup, which is really nice. I think if they call it the late swap or something yeah. like that, and maybe they do that in DFS too, but they um, they have it so you can move a player from flex that already played to running back or wide receiver or something like that, which is really nice. But I don't think that applies to Yahoo and ESPN and uh, MFL. I think you just click through. So anyway, no, yeah, but, but check on your platform because like you said, you don't want to lock in an inflexible player to a flexible spot. Right. Um, The other thing is a lot of your league mates are out of it and they won't necessarily dip in the waiver wire. You won't have as much competition in the waiver wire, but it's still worth if, if you've got a player that you're going to plug and play, it doesn't, you can't. And, and especially if your bucks don't roll over to next year, spend them. They're, they're, you're not going to take them with you. You might as well just use them. Yeah. And so really be selective. And frankly, this is a little different than three, four, five weeks ago because there's more data points. Now, like you said, it's win or go home. And, and at most, you could be looking at like a two-week window of, well, I'm not really... The waiver dollars could be borderline meaningless at that point. So it's not that you should feel weird like, oh, well, I still have half my budget left. That means you didn't actually find good spots to spend your money, and that's okay. But there's some good options this week, and explore those options and say, what can help me the most? And I think those are critical questions for sure. Um, One that I wrote down is 
you know, make sure to roster those auto start or possible start players. You kind of said the same thing, which is if there's someone that you think like a Gardner Minshew, as you mentioned for, for you last week, a player that you fits the criteria that I, if I get them off the waiver wire, I'm legitimately starting them this week. They're better than what I have. Or if a certain thing occurs, maybe it's a questionable injury situation. You say it's, it's Tuesday night, it's Wednesday. We really don't know until Friday, basically. Friday night when the practice reports are done for the week, we finally get the designation and really the next 48 hours tell the story on how confident we are. But you need to project ahead. Is there a player that's already sort of on the hot list? And you know what I mean. You know, they're already suspect to maybe missing this game, whether they missed the last one or not. And so when you have a player like that can, that can truly benefit, you say, I am likely to start this player. And the other part is, as you always talk about, well, do you want your opponent starting them? So it's not that you have to go around and look at every single roster and be like, oh, well, they need a running back. They need a wide receiver. They need... No. But if they have that sort of profile and that criteria, how about you just lock it up so that you control the marketplace? Because like you said, you can't take it with you. So whether you got 5% of your budget left or 25%, like if there's one or two players, go big because you don't want to get to week 16 and now you're... You, you're. I mean, you could have got all these guys for a dollar that you're planning on the off-season stash list, you know, because they're going to be pretty cheap. And frankly, half the teams in your league aren't going to be paying attention by Christmas anyway. So now is the time, like you said, if you leave yourself a few bucks, so be it for potentially changing a defense or those one dollar bids instead of first come first serve at the tail end. That's fine, but really make sure you're not leaving loose ends out there on the waiver wire this week, even if you weren't quite as you know aggressive with it two, three weeks ago, because you're feeling out your team and you're still kind of seeing what you need. To be um, honest, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, to be honest, if you are waiting till now to get your defense for the playoffs, you've waited too long. You exactly. should have been ready two, three weeks ago. San Francisco's defense is a good one. New Orleans defense is a good one to have during the playoffs. They have cream matchups against Houston, against Miami, against Atlanta, teams that haven't been all that successful. And they don't have to be the, de- the best defense in the world. But a couple of weeks ago, they were a heck of a lot cheaper than they will be. And now you'll have a lot more competition for those defensive spots um, as compared to like the Rams are a good defense, but they don't have the greatest of schedule during the playoffs. So do you really want to pick them up, even though you could pick them up for free at this point? Uh, those are things that you have to think about a couple weeks ago. Um, the other thing I would say, and uh, I'll harken back to the uh, the show, The League, because they have this phrase called the the Tinker Stinker, uh, because they have they have people and and people overthink their lineups. And I think... You know, I've refined my process quite a bit where, and I think you actually said this phrase at some point along the hours and hours we've done shows. At some point, you said, you know, I like to set my, my rosters before Sunday. I think you said that because when you get to 11.55 or 12.45 or whatever, and you haven't set your lineup at all, or you haven't looked at it since Wednesday or Thursday, just to check if you have Thursday players or whatever. And this is the first real look you're giving it. I do think there's a different mindset than I set it on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. And Sunday, the only changes you make are 
give me a really darn good reason. Injuries are a really great reason. You know, having, uh, you know, a, oh, we have concerns about a workload. We have, oh, they're legitimately going to be on a pitch count or, you know, all of a sudden the, the weather is completely off the rails, weird and different. Or what I'm saying is something needs to tinge, or maybe the quarterback is out and you have the wide receiver. So big reasons like that. Other than that, literally, you're just checking it out. You're just checking out to make sure you're still good to go. And I'll tell you, that process has really alleviated a lot for me where I might be doing minor waiver, sort, you know, first come, first serve pickups. But Sunday is not really about the macro setting your lineup. It's about double checking. It's about going through and making sure, you know, and, and really out of like 40 leagues, there's only like four or five of them where I'm legitimately, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch that. Like there are a lot of like some of that stuff going on. More it's about optimizing the back end of my roster and, and maybe making minor things. But I love the already having the 1.0 and 2.0 kind of lineup stuff done because I think you make you talk yourself in and out of things, and it's a lot more DFS hot stovey type stuff when you get into the two hours before kickoff and doing some graphic initial lineup setting on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I set my lineups for Thursday, but I'm also like, as the season gets older, when you have a team that isn't going to make the playoffs, you tend to not really care as much about setting the lineup. You don't sweat it as much. So I'm in 50 plus leagues or right around 50 leagues. Some of them are best ball. So I don't have to set lineups in every single one of them. But the beauty of that is that I, I don't overthink. I try not to overthink my lineups. When you get to this point in the season, the number of lineups that are meaningful that you have to set is decreased, whether it's because you're not going to make the playoffs or you've already got a buy or whatever the case may be, the number has dwindled. And I find that's where people start to overthink things and get in their head, especially if you've only got a few teams. But even if you've got 50 leagues and then maybe half of them are competitive, whatever the case may be, that's still a much smaller amount and more likely to tinker. So number one, go with your studs, go with who brought you. Most uh, of your, most of your lineup is you could set it the week before. Right. That's the whole point. Like, and I, th- I think we think, Oh, I got to set my lineup. Well, most of it is done for you between whatever your waiver options are and your existing on team options. So I think people, it may, you may have one at most two spots that you're legitimately saying, what do I have? Is there something off the waiver wire? Should I switch a defense or things like that? A lot of it is already taken care of, which I think people need to remember. Right. And matchups and weather, it's all subjective. So my best advice is go with your gut, make your call and stick with it. For example, this weekend, DeAndre Hopkins was questionable. And then he, within an hour before the game, he was definitely going to start. But he didn't show up on the field to practice. And it's cold and it's really bad weather. They're playing Chicago, I believe. And everybody was like, well, where's DeAndre Hopkins? Why is he not out there? If he's playing, why is he not out there practicing? 
And I even for a moment hesitated with all my DeAndre Hopkins decisions. It's like, should I sit him? Should I start him? And I said, no, dude, you got to start him unless you hear definitively that he's not, but he's not out there and it's bad weather. And Kyler Murray's just coming back. Like, really? Are you going to, it's like, but trust your studs. Well, and also, I mean, with that scenario, I mean, they had soft, soft, you know, handheld Murray and Hopkins pretty slowly, you know, I mean, this game time decision thing for about three weeks in a row. So if they're actually a go, you know, they kind of got to be a go, go for you. Right. I mean, you gotta, I mean, trust the, that the NFL, I mean, they have a little bit of a leeway there, you know, Arizona does, they could hold them out another week. You know, they might've been able to beat Chicago without them. So it's right. not like, right. you know, so that those types of tea leaves, you know, like if they have confidence, you should too. And, and, and as you always say, I mean, you can go down, would you rather go down swinging with your guys or do you rather go down uh, because you second guess yourself and that, that, that big time players on your bench? Cause you, exactly. you say, I mean, you have them, you acquired them in a startup draft, a trade, a rookie draft. You've had them for X amount of time. You get all the way to December and then you go, you're playing. Oh, I'm out. <laughs> like that's kind of what it is. Um, my last one is going to be regarding tracking your teams. I'm not a big tracker. I know some people love it so on Sunday of like seeing how your box scores are. Oh, this team's up. Oh, I need a touchdown. You know, I need a final drive. You know, I need at least two catches from uh, CD Lamb or whatever it is. Like you, like some people really like tracking it, and other people it causes them anxiety or stress or a negative experience. So whatever you typically do, I would say, don't alter it. Cause I actually had one year, like I got to week the championship week or whatever. And I, I tried to do the typical thing. I literally had some of my favorite teams up. I had the box scores. I was following along with the games. I don't typically do that on a Sunday. And frankly, it didn't really enhance my experience. So what I would say is these critical games, these must win games in some of your, some of your leagues. My last point is whatever your regular practice is, how do you handle things in week four? How do you typically follow the NFL, your teams in week eight or 16? Do it the same because that's what you're used to. That's what you're most comfortable with. And frankly, that's how you have a regularly positive and enhancing experience to the sport and the, and the game of dynasty fantasy football. So don't really chance, don't really change it in some pivotal week and really amp it up. And all of a sudden you're checking you know, 10 times an hour, if you don't normally do that, if you do normally do that, go ahead, continue that same pattern. But I would say, don't try to, you know, pressurize it so that all of a sudden you start feeling differently when the playoffs roll around every single year, because you know, you're going to change your behavior than what you did a month ago. Um, All right. Uh, Katie, what are, uh, what's an observation or two, a lesson from, this fantasy regular season, we've got 13 weeks in the books that that you're going to kind of take away and take with you in your toolbox or just an observation about the NFL or dynasty coming out of 2021. All right. I've been saying this for a while and I'm going to continue to say this until my face turns blue, but quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks, are not necessarily the way to go in Superflex. And you can get guys that you didn't think that you could get relatively cheap 
at different times. Look at Russell Wilson, for example. Russell Wilson got hurt. He was 2.10 in a startup this offseason, 2.10. And he was just traded straight up for Cooper Cup, who was 8-point-something. Eighth-round draft pick. Cooper Cup traded straight up for Russell Wilson in a super flex. So you can buy low on quarterbacks, and you can find guys like Gardner Minshew off the waiver wire if you need to. Having one good young starting quarterback that you can build around and then having a bunch of other guys that you can funnel here and there. Even Jared Goff is a usable dynasty fantasy football super flex quarterback. You may cringe when you set him in the lineup, but you don't even have to start two quarterbacks. It's super flex. You could start another player and still be successful. I've seen it. I've done it. It's great if you have two that you can rely on, but at what expense, at what cost? So quarterbacks are great, but they're not the, the game-changing what everybody makes them out to be. If you hit on some of, the, some of the younger guys that are overlooked, just like any other position, just stack as many as you can, build as many as you can, and have options. You will. Uh, I have an offshoot to that as one of my lessons, um, and it's the temper your assumed breakout projections. You know, young players that I, I think it kind of gets lost in the weeds sometimes when you get to December and then the next year of hey, remember that guy? Because we go for six months, eight months, and there's a big, drastic drumbeat about certain players. Uh, one example was Cam Akers. Now, obviously, there's an injury, but that's part of the equation. Health is not a guarantee for anybody 22 or 32 years old. So you can walk into an offseason and be like, look at this really shiny lineup. And you know what? The brass taxes, it doesn't always work out. I wrote down some players that were assumed to be breakout or strong uptick players. How about Baker Mayfield, right? Taking steps forward. Browns were the it team. I don't think, you know, people have short memories. We're 12, 13 data points in, but let's think back to July. Browns were going to, you know, take the division, take the AFC. Who knows? Maybe that still happens. Joe Burrow, he took a step forward. Did he take the biggest step forward that people thought he was going to take? No. He's been pretty good. But to say that he's been, as you would say, I mean, has he really moved the Superflex needle in a drastic fashion to where most of Joe Burrow teams are in the playoffs? No, no, he's been someone you can start. Absolutely. How about two attack of Iowa? You know, has he been, has he been much better than Jared Goff in fantasy? No, not really. How about all the rookie quarterbacks that were just going to take the league by storm? Best class ever, whatever. No, hasn't happened. You know, you got JK Dobbins, Cam Akers. How are those guys working out? I'm, hey, I thought Trey Sermon, I thought things were aligning late August, early September. He was going to run with that thing. No, ended up being some other rookie for the 49ers. Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, LaVisca Chenault, Chase Claypool, all these guys. You can find tons of articles probably back from the offseason. Hasn't really worked out with any of them. It's been a bumpy road. And you know what? That's what it is for young players that, aren't, that haven't been there, done that. Irv Smith, he was going, what, top eight, top 10 months ago. Uh, again, some of these are injury. Some of them are not injury. They both count. They both count as 
didn't really happen the way you wanted to in 2021. So the assumed breakout, I'm becoming I'm becoming a bit of a production snob. Like start doing some stuff and I'm going to really pay attention to you. Trust me. You you have my attention. But until you start doing that, I think there's got to be a little bit of bumper car, you know, protection on this on this ride because there's so many that'll buck you off before you get to the what seven seconds is it for rodeo katie seven seconds ten seconds uh, eight i think it's eight eight well i still missed it okay, You're close. so that so that'll be one of my points is that is that just the assumed breakout be careful how much you pay and how much you value because it hasn't happened yet well and that's what you just said in the last sentence how much you pay that's the kicker that's the key and that rolls in perfectly to my next point, which is have a huge crop of running backs. That's a position that gets hurt a lot. And even though you may have a stud that carries you through most of the season, Derek Henry, I appreciate you. You still have to have guys like Alexander Madison, AJ Dillon, guys that are backups that could carry the load if their predominant running back gets hurt. You have to have a good portfolio of running backs to win your league. And what you have in June, what you have in May, what you have in March, it don't matter. That's why I continue to preach and have for years, buy your running backs organically through the draft. That's their cheapest price. When you can stash extra draft picks from trades and then get your running backs every year refresh lock and load just keep refreshing hit the waiver wire heavy continue to seek out not just trying to get the the stud running backs but those that are an injury away so that you've got insulation you don't have to handcuff in dynasty but you do need to have depth yeah, that's a really important one. And and like you said, you know, the ways you get them at most accessible, rookie draft, waiver wire, and just paying attention. It, it really is the one position where you got to pay attention. And because there's backups in August that are available every year, there are you can get so many that people just end up, "Oh, I'm just going to drop them for one week." Oh, it's week 4. You know, I'm just going to float this guy for one week. And you come in there and you take them away. And you might have them the rest of the season. They might start a few games. You might have them for multiple seasons because you value them. And they messed up because they tried to get cute and float them out there one week instead of dropping their number three tight end or instead because they couldn't get rid of their defense because they, they were on bye. They had to keep their defense through that bye week and it cost them a running back. Um, and that, that goes perfectly with my, my other point, which is value every roster spot every day. And I know it's a real long timeline in the off season. There's going to be these giant swaths of time that nothing happens. Uh, and even your rosters might be frozen between, oh, you got to pay for your before you can trade or we have nothing going on, no waivers until March or April or May or whatever. Um, so not really anything's happening. But when you have options, value those roster spots every day. And, and in season, I have become so sensitive to, you know, you set your waiver wires, that's only the start of the week. You set your waivers, but then when more news comes out, and I always think it's interesting, 
I almost wonder what would happen in, in leagues if the waiver wire didn't run until like Friday or Saturday, because I think bidding would be a lot different because we would have more information. And I know there's a Thursday game, and that's why we have waivers before Thursday. But I mean, like FFPC, they actually run on uh, Wednesday and then Sunday morning, they have another waiver that runs. Um, and so the first come, first serve adjustments, you get the Friday news, Saturday news, Sunday news, information, game day calls. And there's ways to optimize those roster spots for each of those time periods. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I think like five years ago, I didn't do that at all. I didn't do it at all. And I really do think if you looking at my results, there's a tangible difference because it's all about increasing those percentage chances. So whether it's spot starts, whether it's just having more added value on your roster that you got for a dollar, you got for free. And now this next week, if you didn't pick them up, they would have been costing you 10, 15, 20% of your budget. And it's those types of things. And all of a sudden, maybe you flip them for a player with a better profile. You flip them for uh, a draft pick. You flip them for way more waiver dollars than you spent. It, little things like that, even if you don't keep them, even if you never start them. And I've just become very sensitive to the be aware and locked in, especially about the positions running back mainly that matter a lot to paying attention and these little micro moments of this month. I mean, because again, if we just pause right now and just do a little prediction of like, oh, what running backs are going to have those big pop weeks and those spot starts, they've started zero. They could have started zero games for the last three months. Who is going to be Tim Hightower? Who is going to be Damian Williams, right? Was another one. Who is going to be that guy that pops up and can win you a week? And it parallels back to what you said early in the show, Katie, which is who can win you a week? And just asking yourself that question over and over and over again the next few weeks can really get you on the right path, get you down that trail of who can make that difference for you. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Do you have one more or is that it? Uh, Well, sort of. It's pretty generic. It's basically that if you have one or two stud wide receivers, then you can find wide receiver production pretty much from anywhere. And again, don't overlook it. Don't overthink it. But it's uh, hard without those one and two guys. Yeah. You, Your you depth chart to- becomes difficult if, you, if you're streaming and doing a committee for everything. Yeah. If you only need to start one wide receiver, it's totally different than if you need to start three. If you need to start three, then you should have at least one or two that are fairly reliable. And then your third and fourth and fifth and sixth can be, you know, wide receiver by committee. It's all dependent on what your league settings are and how easy it is to trade. Um, But guys are popping up all over the place. And late season wide receivers aren't necessarily the same as early season wide receivers. Who's got the hot hand? Who's the quarterback that's the least banged up? Like, I don't know that I want to trust any Cincinnati wide receiver with Joe Burrow's pinky the way that it is over the next month. I don't know that I want to trust that because it's as much the quarterback for the wide receiver as it is opportunity as it is anything else. Uh, Let's do a quick uh, UTH best ball contest update. And then I got a little uh, quick rapid fire game for Katie to close out the show here. And uh, currently uh, we'll see if things change. I've updated a couple of times and it hasn't changed since we've been recording during Monday night football. Uh, So we're going to go with rack them up uh, from middle of the pack here. I actually don't even have a name. 
since they changed it. I specifically say don't change it. But uh, but rack them up currently in first place. Pretty low scoring week. We had some buys. Uh, we had some up and down weeks. But man, studs at the running back position this week for them. They've got Javante Williams, Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery in their lineup, all 30 plus points huge driver to their success. And they didn't even have the requisite wide receiver starters for their lineup. And yet still they managed the top score. They have Will Fuller in their lineup as an inactive player because they're just so down at wide receiver, but they were able to pick up the slack uh, across the board. So congratulations, rack them up, uh, taking it down uh, with a top scoring week in the UTH best ball contest. And Katie, uh, so we're going to play a little quick game called now, every answer uh, to, the, to each question is going to be, does it apply to Devonta Freeman, Deonta Foreman, or both? You got it? So okay. I'm going to say a stat. I'm going to say some sort of factoid, and it's either going to apply to Deonta, Deonta Foreman, Devonta Freeman, <laughs> or both. Had a rushing breakout at 19 years old in college. Freeman. The answer is Foreman. Um, had a higher receiving oh, score. I, wonder, I thought it. No, I got you. Um, had a higher receiving score in the projection model. Freeman. Answers Foreman. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm over two. <laughs> I got you. Has, has a twin brother. Freeman. Foreman. <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, won a college. Won a college national title. Freeman. You got one. You keep getting, I figure if I said Freeman you long enough. Freeman, you keep getting Freeman long enough, you'll get one. <laughs> All right. Was on the Buffalo Bills for a moment in time. This is a tough one. Foreman. The answer is Freeman. Ah! Did you actually? Did you actually? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have. <laughs> I, I didn't remember. I wouldn't have got that at all. Um, yeah. Played Little League with Teddy Bridgewater. Freeman. Correct. All right, last one. Was not on an NFL roster on September 1st, 2021. Foreman. The answer is both. Okay, both. I'm so, yeah. yeah. How, how about that though? Like that was actually one of my one of my things from from this year is is the you know these these veterans that have a profile, just don't forget about them. Because Devonta right. Devonta Freeman, he's absolutely viable right now, and yeah. he was on the streets. So was, and we'll see how Deonta Foreman turns out, but he's that type. I wouldn't be surprised. I think I have Todd Gurley still on one team. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he's definitely floating out there, but it's just these guys again. I mean, Le'Veon Bell got what two more shots than a lot of people thought he was going to get. And right. it's not that he, not everybody's going to work out Adrian Peterson. So not everyone's going to work out, but these guys know how to play. And to say that they can't outproduce some, 22 year old day three guy when they have been a running back one for two, three, four, five years in their career. That's laughable to think that they can't do it. And we see them when they deserve. So they get lots of shots. So just be aware because those are the types of guys you can get straight off the waiver wire. And two years ago, you might've had to trade a first or second round pick for him in some cases. So that was that was my last thing I thought of because Deonta because Devonta Freeman is uh, again just a, a really fun story. He's playing well, and we'll see how the season turns out. And Foreman, he's finally over his Achilles. We'll see how that turns out, but it's a pretty wide open opportunity for both of them down the stretch, and we'll see how it goes. 
All right, uh, final thoughts, Kitty? I think I'm going to need to study up on my running backs. <laughs> who played with who in Little League? Begins with an F and end with an N. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so you can follow Katie between episodes at ff underscore Skyler three ninety nine. You got any? Uh, you got any time this week if in your travels for some uh, some listeners or no? No, no, we're all, gonna all I work mean, and very little play for Katie this week. Yeah, I'm up in the Chicago area this week, but I'm only for a few days, and I'll be flying back Wednesday night. So it's very in and out, real quick. I got gotcha. you. All right, so you can find you on Twitter, of course, at ff underscore Skyler three ninety nine. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Can uh, subscribe to UTHDynasty.com. Get all those premium shows. Katie and I are going to probably do a 2022 uh, mock draft coming up. It's about that time, and uh, we're getting ready. Uh, it's we're uh, what about two months? Less than two months, probably from the Senior Bowl. And uh, again, the draft process and 2022 team building starts very soon. But we had a lot of tips in this episode to finish out strong with your 2021 dynasty teams. And for Katie, myself, Chad, until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those fantasies. It may be, and those people go to Temple. (laughs) (laughs) They go to Temple. (laughs) You're like, yeah, they go to uh, Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers, Temple, (laughs) Maryland, Terrapins. Technical technical college of, of Western Pennsylvania.